my dad, I don't know, he may be watching, he and mom watch some weeks from home, and uh, I love you, dad, if you, if you happen to be watching, and if you don't happen to be watching, I love you anyway, whether you're watching or, or not. I sent a message out last week, sometime last week, and, and asked you, oh, it was in the bulletin last week, the worship guide, asked you to send in your dad jokes, and so some of you did that. I thought it would be kind of fun. I thought maybe I might learn a new no, new joke or two. I call these first ones uh, classics, these first dad jokes. These are the classics. I, I suppose most everybody has heard these, but they're, they're fun nonetheless. They might be new to some of the younger people among us. Uh, this was sent in by Shelly Palmer's dad. Well, Shelly Palmer sent it in, but she said her dad shared it with her. How do you sneak up on a unique rabbit? You, that's right. You sneak up on it. That's how do you sneak in? They haven't heard that one. They haven't heard that one over there. Yeah. And so the follow-up to that joke is, of course, how do you sneak up on a tame rabbit? Tame way. Tame way. Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. That's right. Very good. Cynthia Schultz sent in another one that I think is a classic. What do you call a cow lying down? You've probably heard this one before. Anybody? Anybody? Ground beef. Yep, that's it. Ground beef. Ground beef. And uh, this one also has the follow-up joke to it. What do you call a bear with no teeth? Oh, good job. Yep, gummy bear. A little, maybe a little less well-known. I, I call these jokes, these fall into the category of cute. They're just cute, okay? So this one sent in by Corey Bruce. Why do some people say amen after singing a song at church? Amen. Huh? You, know, you don't know, do you? Okay. Because it's a hymn. <laughs> if it was a her, they'd say a women. See? Get that? Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Good job, Corey. This one was sent in by Michael Bailey, but he said it belongs to his daughter, Scarlett, who is four years old. Um, why did the gum cross the road? I... I I, I will admit, this one took me a minute to get it, so don't feel bad. But the answer is, because the chicken stepped in it. <laughs> I feel bad. You guys are way sharper than I am. I mean, I studied that for like five minutes. Wow, Okay. Shelly Parmer again, I just spent $100 on a belt that doesn't fit. What a huge waste. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right. And then this last category I call current events. Uh, I thought these were, these were good. Walter Prouty sent in this one. Are you sweating while putting gas in your car? Feeling sick? While paying for it, you may be suffering from the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, that one got some moans. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Walter. And then these, these last uh, few jokes are current only because we just recently had vacation Bible school. So somebody sent these in because of VBS going on last week. Now, in our VBS was kind of a southwestern theme. It was called Monumental, um, about desert and Monument Valley, eh, wherever that is. Anyway, here they are. What do cacti say when they hug? 
Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's all right. You knew it. Good for you. How about this one? What did one cactus say to the other? You can probably guess. You're looking pretty sharp. <laughs> and then uh, two balloons are floating in the desert. One says, look out for that cactus. The other says, what cactus? <laughs> Honestly, I thought those cactus jokes were on point. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you had to get one in. <laughs> you had to get one in. Yeah, yeah, hold on. I have a drummer up here. I got to do everything myself this morning. All right. Thank you very much. Our, um, but dads are good for, for a lot of things, not just for telling lame jokes. This morning, we're going to look at a passage from the Scripture that uh, is not super familiar. I, most of you are familiar with the strong man of the Old Testament. Even people who don't go to church a lot, you know who that is, right? Just call out his name. Who is he? Yeah, the strong man of the Old Testament. We know various stories about him, especially the most famous story about him and a love interest of his named Delilah. If you don't know a lot about Samson, you probably know that he had long hair, but you might not know why or what was significant about it. And so we're going to look at a portion of Scripture this morning that predates Samson just a little bit. It's the story of his birth as it was foretold by an angel. So if you want to follow along as Leah reads this morning, she's going to be reading from Judges chapter 13. Judges 13, 1 through 5 and 24. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. While her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. So that last verse that she read this morning, that skipped to the end. And most of what we're going to discuss is in the middle. It's the, the middle portion. But to read the whole chapter would have taken too much time. You, you may not have known or maybe only known sort of that Samson's birth was foretold and the telling of the foretelling of that birth is a really interesting story and has a lot to teach us about great dads what I want you to get this morning is that great dads are no joke having a great dad is a real blessing it's something to be very thankful for grateful for but let me just preface all of what I'm about to say this morning with this, this relation, th these points that I'm going to make about great dads, they apply across the board. They're not just specific to dads, that they apply to moms, they apply to husbands and wives, they apply to parents, and they apply to kids equally well. It just so happens that we're going to pull them from the life story of 
a dad. And in this case, it's Samson's dad. Samson's dad. Yeah, Samson's mom and dad, they have their own chapter in the book of Judges. Um, you may or may not have known that, but we're going to look at their lives this morning and pull these principles from them. So beginning in verse 1, as Leah read, again the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. Now, the Philistines, you may or may not know, were kind of the sworn enemy of the Israelite people at this point in their history. So the Israelites would vacillate back and forth between obeying what God told them to do and disobeying what God told them to do. And, and when they obeyed, they generally lived peaceably in the land. And when they disobeyed, God let them be overwhelmed by foreigners and invaders. And one of these foreign invaders was a group of people called the Philistines. Uh, Goliath, maybe the most famous of all the Philistines. You remember that David battled with a sling and, a, and five stones. So the Israelites did evil at this point in their history, and so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines. This was one of those points of trouble for them, and they oppressed them for 40 years. Now, what's significant about 40 years is that at this, at this time in human history, that was just about as long as most people lived. 40 years was a pretty good lifespan for, for somebody, and this was a, a couple of generations. Most ladies especially would have children when they were pretty young. So this is a couple of generations of people. That means that there weren't a whole lot of people living uh, at the end of 40 years who remembered, shall we call it, the good old days before the Philistines were oppressing them. There just wasn't a lot of memory left of what life was like before they were under the boot of the Philistines. And in those days, those dark, desperate days for the Israelites, a man named Manoah, now this is, there's, there's, there's my Noah right there on the front row, but this is a different guy. A man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan. He lived in the town of Zorah. His wife wasn't able to come pregnant, and they had no children. Now, I find this interesting because he, he is named, but his wife, who is arguably more important in this story, she, she never gets a name, uh, but she's kind of more the hero of what's going on. So there's a man named Manoah, and that's what you need to know, from the tribe of Dan. The first thing that I want you to pick up from this story is that great dads are not jealous. Once again, this doesn't mean that it only applies to dads. Moms are this way, great kids are this way, great spouses are this way, great parents are this way, but great dads are not jealous. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife. In verse 2, we're told that there was a man named Manoah. But in verse 3, we're told that the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife, not to Manoah. God is an equal opportunity appearer. He loves men and women equally, and it doesn't matter if you're a man, doesn't matter if you're a woman, you have your own relationship with God. Cheryl and I have been watching a uh, series on Hulu called Under the Banner of Heaven about a group of people living nowadays who, uh, the, well, I, don't, I guess I can just call them Latter-day Saints. That's what they would refer to themselves as, Latter-day Saints. And in that culture, in their religion, ladies are only right with God if they're also right with their husbands. And it's, a, it's very oppressive and sad to watch 
But the angel of the Lord appeared not to Manoah, but to Manoah's wife, again, who was unnamed here. And he said to her, even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now that was great news, because they'd been trying, but they couldn't have one. You'll, you're going to get pregnant soon and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink any wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden foods before they knew anything about uh, uh, nutrition uh, for, for expecting mothers. But the angel of the Lord told her, this is how you, you need to behave during your pregnancy. You Again, second time he says to her, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. Good news number two, same news. And his hair must never be cut. Oh, okay, so this is why he has long hair. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Now the Nazarite vow was a special vow that had been set down in, in Hebrew law. It just meant that a, a person who was consecrated, who was set apart to the Lord, there were certain things that they were never supposed to do. And having their haircut was one of those things. But the important part is this. He, your son, Manoah's wife, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now, this is terrific, great news for Manoah's wife. She got this visitation. And she, she receives this news that is for her unbelievable. But Manoah wasn't there. Her husband, he didn't get the same firsthand account. And so what to her felt like unbelievable news to Manoah probably felt unbelievable. Because he got it secondhand. And we, we get that by reading on. The woman, Manoah's wife, ran and told her husband, this is important, a man of God appeared to me. Notice she didn't say an angel. That becomes significant later on in the story. She says, a man of God appeared to me. Now he was weird looking. He was strange looking, significant in some way. He looked like, like one of God's angels. But she didn't say, an angel appeared to me. She said, a man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. Other, most other translations put, say, very awesome. So he was very awesome. I don't know what that means. Chris Hemsworth, maybe something like that. Uh, she went on to say, I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. Well, okay, so hold on. Back up just a second. A man of God appeared to you, wifey, and he looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. That's impossible. I think that's probably what Manoah must have thought. That's impossible. I mean, come on. And then I didn't ask where he was from and he didn't tell me his name. Why would you not ask? He gave you what may be the most important news of your life. Why would you not ask where he was from? Why would you not ask his name? That doesn't sound right. That sounds sketchy. I'm skeptical of that, at least improbable. That's at least improbable. But he told me, wife says, he told me, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. That's incredible. Uh, incredible. Because we've been trying for a long time. That's not happening. Oh, and he also told me, you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. Well, that's just inconvenient. Uh, because that's interfering with, because you know, when she's on a diet, you're on a diet too, right? Husbands, 
That's just the way it works. So if she's on a diet, if, if she's pulling the God card on Manoah and saying, hey, God told me not to do this through a man of God. Man of God came and told me not to do this. You know what Manoah's thinking? Great. No more good food for me. If this even really happens, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. So Manoah may have been jealous. I think it would only have only been natural if he even believed her. Wait a minute, you mean God appeared to you? He appeared to, to you, my wife, and not to me? And he gave you this incredible news and he didn't give it to me? I'm the one who's going to have to take have to take care of you. I'm the one who's going to have to take care of this boy if he even exists. I, mean, I think it would have only been natural for Manoah to be jealous. But if he was jealous, he didn't behave jealously. Verse 8 tells us what he did. Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the man of God, here again, I want you to notice, he says the man of God, because that's the word he got from his wife. It was a man of God, not an angel. Please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. So, okay. Um, maybe this is real. Maybe this is not real. I really have no way of knowing. Manoah's thinking to himself. But you know what I can do? I can't prove it, but I can pray on it. I can pray about it. And so that's what he did. It was unprovable, but it was absolutely prayable. So let me give you the next, the next uh, thing in our acronym here. Great dads are no joke. Great dads are not jealous. Great dads are not obstinate. obstinate. I'll leave that on screen for a second so you can get the spelling because it's not a word that is super common. But obstinate, and I know some of you are wondering, what does that mean? I don't, it's not, not a word that I use in common everyday conversation. So I looked it up. Obstinate means stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action. Now, I could have just said great dads are not stubborn. Would have meant the same thing. But it doesn't fit my acronym, people. Come on and work with me. So, obstinate's a perfect word. Great dads are not obstinate. By the way, neither are great moms. Neither are great kids. Neither are great husbands, wives, parents. Not obstinate. Where do you get that from? Well, God answered Manoah's prayer. Remember, he prayed and he said, hey, if this is real, God in heaven, then let the guy come back. Let him come back to us. That's what he prayed. So God answered Manoah's prayer, but probably not the way Manoah wanted because for a second time, God sent a messenger to Manoah's wife and not Manoah. A second time. This has got to be frustrating. But look at verse 9. God answered Manoah's prayer, eh, sort of, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. So what did she do? This time, I'm going to make sure that he believes me. So she ran quickly and told her husband, the man, still a man, who appeared to me the other day is here again. That, you know, the guy that I told you about who had that message that was so hard to believe? He's back. So Manoah may have been skeptical. I mean, I certainly would have been skeptical. Really? But he didn't behave stubbornly. He didn't behave obstinately. Instead, what did he do? Verse 11 tells us that he ran back with his wife. Uh, he didn't say to her, all right, look, if God has something to say, 
then God can come to me and say it to me. I'm right here. God sees everybody. He knows everything. He knows where I am right now. If he's got something to say, then why doesn't he say it to me? But he didn't do that. He didn't stay where he was. Instead, he ran back with his wife to meet this man that she said had given her this incredible news. Which leads me to my third point. Great dads are not controlling. What? All right, if anybody's in here and they're spelling challenged, you spell that with a C. Just wanted to make sure that you knew, that I knew, that that is spelled with a C. But once again, it wouldn't fit my acronym. So here we go. Great dads are not controlling. By the way, neither are great wives. Great parents or great kids, great husbands, great spouse, not controlling. Where do you get that from? Well, look at this. Manoah ran back with his wife and he asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, when your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? Now, we just talked five minutes ago about the rules that she communicated to her husband. She said, this guy showed up, he was awesome, and he told me, this is how I have to, uh, I, I have to behave during the pregnancy. And this is how we're going to raise our little boy. All right, so Manoah's already gotten the word. But he asks, he wants it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So he asks the angel, the man, excuse me, he asks the man, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life? And this next part is great. What the reply that he gets, the reply that he gets is this. Be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. Yeah, I've already told her what to do. It's fine. You just make sure she does what I told her and everything will be good. And I, I, I can just imagine Manoah is looking at him like, uh-huh. And he looks at Manoah like, okay, all right. She must not eat grapes or raisins or drink wine or any other alcoholic drink. Or eat. This, I've already gone over this stuff with your wife. She told you. I know she told you about it, right? Yeah, she told me. All right, I'm just making sure. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, who he did not know was the angel of the Lord at this point, please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. Manoah asked, please stay, please eat. The angel said, I will stay, but I will not eat. However, here's what you can do, okay? Um, I will do this, I won't do that, Here's what you can do. You can prepare a burnt offering. So this, this man of God is testing Manoah over and over again. Manoah's boundaries, you know. Just, just how controlling are you going to be in this situation, Manoah? Do you have to know all the details or do you trust your wife? Do I have to do the things that you say or can I make my own decisions? Manoah didn't, look, Manoah didn't realize that it was an angel of the Lord he'd been talking to all this time. He'd been referring to this being as a man and his wife had been referring to this being as a man so there was something about him that was unusual something about him was off but not that big yet then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord what is your name okay look my wife forgot to ask she was excited when you showed up the first time because this news was 
unbelievable. She forgot to ask your name. So at least tell me your name for when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? Said the angel. It's too wonderful for you to understand. Well, that's just vague. Why you got to be so vague? It's too wonderful for you to understand. Manoah may have been cautious. He certainly seems to have been cautious in the account. But he wasn't controlling. He didn't behave like a controller. Like he had to have everything just exactly a certain way in order to believe, in order to trust. And Manoah took a young goat and he did what the man of God, the man of God, the angel suggested. He offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. And that was the moment when Manoah and his wife saw that happen, that miraculous event. That was the moment when they finally realized who it was that had come to deliver this news. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground because they were terrified. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized that it was the angel of the Lord. So let's go back to this idea of controlling. Manoah didn't have to be in control. He just had to trust. Because, and the idea of controlling, the need to control, the desire to control others, that does not come from God, people. That does not come from God. This is a kind of an epidemic in our culture, in our society, this need to be in control. Look at some of these verses from the New Testament. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what comes from God. That's the fruit of a Spirit-led life. Self-control, not other control. You can't control other people as much as you would like to. As much as you would like to make your kids' decisions for them, as much as you would like to make your spouse's decisions for them, you can't. They have to make their own choices. That doesn't mean that they live without your input. Of course, you have a responsibility to help them. We're all here to help each other, but you can't control them. You can't make their choices for them. You can make, and you have to make, your own choices before God. Look what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5. Imitate God, he said, in everything you do because you are his dear children. It's what kids do, right? They imitate their parents. Little girls most often imitate their moms. Little boys most often imitate their fathers. Live a life filled with love because God loves. Following the example of Christ and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, how, do, how are you supposed to control one another when you're submitting to one another? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. This is Ephesians chapter 5. This is the same chapter where Paul lays out all of these uh, principles and precepts for, for our, the relationships that govern our lives. Right after he says this, further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, he goes on to say how that's put into practice. For wives, this means in verse 22. For husbands, this means in verse 25. For children, in chapter 6, verse 1. For fathers, in chapter 6, verse 4. And this one I spelled out because today's Father's Day. You're welcome, dads. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. What does that sound like? That sounds like 
controlling behavior. Don't make your kids mad because of the way that you treat them. That, isn't that what it says? Of, of all the commands in the Bible, this is the one as a dad that I feel like I, I have struggled with the most. Because when you, when you make your kids do the right thing, isn't that going to make them mad sometimes? Yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. But I, I have discovered that it's almost always, I'm, I'm almost always able to bring them around by the way that I deal with my children. Don't provoke your kids to wrath, anger by the way that you treat them. Instead, or look, here's another way, here's what you're supposed to do. Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Discipline's not a fun word. Nobody likes to be disciplined, but there is a discipline, there is an instruction that comes from God and that will not keep them angry all the time, will not make them constantly mad. doesn't feel like control. You control you, self-control. And uh, in James, chapter 3, James, the half-brother of Jesus wrote, the wisdom from above is first of all pure, it's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, Willing to yield to others. Does that sound like control to you? Doesn't to me. Willing to yield to others. Full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And it was, is always sincere. I'm so glad that my heavenly father isn't controlling. He gives me a choice. And he gives you a choice. You had to choose whether or not this morning you were going to come and be here. And I'm so glad that you chose to come. I really am. And I hope that you will follow the example of our good, good Father. He is so good. He's so peace-loving and gentle. He sent His Son who yielded His life as an atonement for our sins, and we're supposed to follow his example, be full of mercy and good deeds, and be sincere in all that we do. Because he is so good, we should be good as well. So we're going to do something a little unusual now. You probably have already realized uh, that we didn't sing this morning, because I wanted to save it for this moment. And on this Father's Day, will you stand with me and sing to our good good father stay standing for, for just a minute did you catch that I didn't give you the last one okay good just want to make sure that you were paying attention alright good fathers good dads are not jealous good dads are not obstinate good dads are not controlling can you get us to the thank you thank you Walter good dads are not controlling great dads are not enough either you need help. I need help. The women among us need help. Kids need help. What, did you guess it? You're, you're looking at your mom like, I, I knew what that was. Oh, yeah, like a great mom. Exactly. Great moms are not enough either. No. Great husbands, great wives, not enough. Look, look at what, how, how the rest of this chapter plays out. Manoah finally realized that it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, we will certainly die for we have seen God. Because that was part of their culture. They, they knew that no man can see God and live. That's a big deal to see God. So Manoah says to his wife, we're going to die. We saw God. And his wife talks him down off that cliff. 
toss them down off the ledge. She said, if the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. And that was the end of it. We, we're not told whether Manoah agreed or disagreed, whether he argued with her, whether he saw her point or not, probably because he did, and so there was no need to say it. But the point is that Manoah may have been sincere in, in, in what he told his wife, but he was sincerely wrong. This world is full of people just like Manoah who are sincere in what they believe. But there is truth in this world. You can't just believe anything you want to believe and, and expect for God to accept that. That's why God gave us His Word. He lays out what He accepts in His Word. And you can be sincere for your entire life and only to find out tragically at the end that you were sincerely wrong. Don't be that way. Don't be like, it is not enough just to go through this life and keep your head down and your nose clean. That is not enough. You need the help of God's people. So if, if you have been thinking lately, this is, if, if God has been tugging at your heart and saying, this is where I belong. Or maybe God has been tugging at your heart and saying, you need, you just need to know me. You just need to get to know the God who created you. This is a great morning to take a step like that. You are not enough. I am not enough. Only God is enough. And he has laid out clearly in his word how it is that we're supposed to get to him. The epilogue of the story Leah read this morning, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Did you know, in part, how Samson was blessed? Because he had, I think, he had a great dad. A guy who wasn't jealous, obstinate, controlling, and had the help of a good woman. He knew he wasn't enough. So how about you? Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that you need help, that you haven't arrived? I don't know. Maybe that's coming as news to you this morning. I hope not. But if it is, this is a great morning, a great day to settle that.